Hello everybody and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. I'm delighted to welcome my special guest today, the wonderful comedian, Mr. Jeff Innocent. Yay! Hello, mate! It's an honour and a privilege, Richard. It's an honour and a privilege, although I want to know why I'm number 77. That's what I want to know. But we'll let that go. We'll let that go. You are in my top 25, my friend. It's just how it fell. Well, you're in my top 10 audience members. I know that. Um, (laughs) You're very, very kind. You're so kind. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, We're going to spend the next 45 minutes to an hour or so talking about your comedy career. Wow. And And I'd like to go right back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? Um, well, uh, thank you for calling it a career, first of all. <laughs> I've just always just been hanging on, you know. I've never really used the term career. Um, I, I, uh, I probably uh, would say that I've always been a comedian, although not officially or a professional comedian. I'm, I've always been one of those kids, you know. Yeah. I always liked making people laugh. Uh, if you asked anybody at my school from, from you know, I don't know, uh, 50 years ago, uh, it, what do you think Jeff would have been doing? They would probably say a comedian. So nobody was surprised that I ended up becoming a, a professional comedian. <laughs> always used humour as a child. Always liked making people laugh. Always performing to the family or in my gang. Um, but actually left it very late to be a proper comedian. Um, I was about 40 years old when I, I did a workshop for my 40th birthday, somebody, somebody bought me a workshop. They said, you always said you could be a comedian. You always said you'd be better than those people. Here's your chance. Wow. So for my 40th birthday, somebody bought me, that's 95. Yeah. 1995. Somebody bought me a workshop with the great Tony Allen. Oh, superb. Right. You, you're not going to get a better start in life than that. Yeah. And he, for those people that don't know, is one of the architects of the whole alternative comedy movement. Of course, yeah. Alternative cabaret in those days. You were probably there with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I started my workshop with him and uh, over the next couple of years started doing doing open spots and took to it very quickly, I think, because I was older. And I I don't even know if you're allowed to start at that age now. It might be (laughs) illegal. It's become so young now. They probably wouldn't even countenance somebody of 40 or 50. I don't know. I could be wrong. And I started doing it. And possibly, Richard, within a year, I was earning a living from doing stand-up comedy. So it was very swift when you when you started off. It certainly was. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had been thinking about doing comedy for quite some time. But what put me, not put me off, is I had a good job. But then I left my job with university for five years right. in the, um, at the beginning of the 90s. And it was whilst I was at university as a mature student, whilst that was happening, there was a comedy boom with, with genres, yeah. and comedy clubs were opening it. And I think I would have done it sooner if I could have seen how I could earn a living from it. Sure, Not because yeah. I'm nursery, but I was an older person with children. And I thought, if I can earn a living from being a comedian, I would start doing it. So what happened about the same time as I was 40 and in the mid-90s, genres were opening up lots of yeah. clubs. It stopped becoming a, a type of um, marginalised alternative thing and became fairly a sort of mainstream. People could earn a living. So I thought, OK, so did the workshop with Tony Allen. And funnily enough, Richard, I was the only one on the workshop that actually wanted to be a comedian because... Don't forget, lots of people go on workshops for all sorts of reasons. Just for the fun of the workshop, for, for their personality, mental health reasons. or to, You know, they might be doing Zumba one month, stand-up comedy the next month, flower arranging the next. <laughs> so I was very serious about it. And I've even got the video at the end of the six-week course. You do a show, what they call a, yeah, yeah. a, 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 a workshop. 
And I've even I've got the video of that workshop. I still own that. Brilliant. I haven't looked at it for quite a few years, but I used to look at it every now and again and think um, I, I, my material is not very good, but there's a certain rawness and, and an unbridled energy that, that you lose when you start, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Careful and, and I've been trying to get back to that uh, for many years, actually. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it for a while, but it, it, was, it was a great experience. I didn't start doing open spots immediately. I think I, I don't know what happened, some mental thing where I thought, oh, I can't do this. Maybe some anxiety, maybe nerves. Yeah, yeah. But Tony Allen actually came around to my house and said, where are you? What are you doing? You wow. should be doing this. Wow. And I thought, okay. So then I started and, and then... Um, yeah, and then and then I was earning a living. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh, first came down to London thirty odd years ago, nineteen ninety two. But my brother was down here um, in the late eighties, and you're right. Uh, we used to go to the comedy store all the time, and mm. the first bill I ever saw was uh, Richard Morton compared it. Wow. This would be nineteen. He's still alive, you know, Richard. Morton. He is. He's been on this. <laughs> He, he he compared it. Steve Gribbin was on. He's uh, still alive. Yeah, he's been on it. As well. yeah. I think both uh, of these people, might be people still doing it, who are older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear dear old Linda Smith, God bless her. She wow. was on the bill. Hattie Ridge was on Hattie Hayridge was on. Wow. And and topping the bill was uh, a comedian called Charles Fleischer who was an American who could do accents and he was hilarious but he was never heard of again because he went to Hollywood and he voiced Roger Rabbit so that's uh, where he made all his money from He didn't need the money after that, <laughs> did he? <laughs> but, <laughs> Why did he need to be slipping around? Yeah. <laughs> and that's amazing Good for him, Good and, for and, him. And, and I did a similar um, course not not a comedy course but I did like a half day writing course mm -hmm. and uh, everybody around me wanted to be reviewers and uh, I went to the uh, to see the person who ran it and she said to me we forget why do you uh, why are you here and I said well well I'm not a reviewer I'm not a critique I'm not a diarist I'm not a reporter I'm a member of the audience and I'm out to have a good time and I thought if I can get I had a big spreadsheet of every single act I've ever seen and I thought if I can somehow enhance that into an infuse which is what I call my blog and mm -hmm. it's just taken off it's been extraordinary when did you start that then uh, well the spreadsheet would be about maybe 10 years ago but the oh. blog's been going for three and I'm close to nearly a hundred thousand hits which wow. is extraordinary wow. so um, you know and, oh, you get free entry now into clubs well uh, folk are very Must nice be. but uh, but I still yeah. like to be a, I still like to be a fee paying member of the audience okay. because you, you need all the support you know um, we certainly so. do everybody yeah exactly um, <laughs> pay more pay more <laughs> so um you're a comedy stalwart. You've had an incredible career. Um, where was your first ever proper gig and what was it like? You're doing these five-minute spots. Um, well, the, the first ever, the first ever um, actual gig was at the end of the workshop. Yeah. Uh, that's gig, I suppose, but it's the first time I on stage doing stand up but well actually no let me let me just say this when i in, when i was a teenager i was very interested in acting and i wanted to be an actor that's what i wanted to be when i left school which was a very fanciful thing for a working class kid from the east end to think in the 1960s and i was part of a couple of um, of theater groups in here one was called the east end abbreviated soapbox theater which operated out of east ham and uh, i tell you who else was part of that after me, the poet who wears the glasses. What's his name? John Hegley. He does poems about his glasses. Fantastic. Yeah, he, he, he was part of that, that theatre group after me. And we used to, well, it was, it was the late 60s, early 70s, so we used to do street theatre and, uh, right. uh, uh, and political plays in the street and stuff. It was a fantastic experience. In fact, actually, it was a life-changing experience in that it was a group of hippies uh, who came into the East End, they set up a big squat, that's where they lived, 
And out of that squat, they ran a theatre group. And I was one of the local yobbos. That's brilliant. I had always been into, to always fancied myself as an actor, always into performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of time with them, and I'm very thankful. And at the same time, I was also part of another, the Newham Youth Theatre, which was a, a little bit more progressive in a way. They had local writers. They had a writer, and I think he's died now, called Billy Colville. Right. Who, who wrote a few political plays. I've heard of him, yeah. Um, and uh, I was part of that. They were, uh, we used to, we did some stuff at the Half Moon Theatre, which was in those days in Ailey Street in Allgate. It wasn't in Commercial Road where it ended up, yeah. in, an old, um, in an old synagogue. And they used to, used to be Chekhov and, 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 and all of, you know, and, uh, and Brecht. It was that sort of, that era. And we did a play there, and I remember uh, we did a, a week run there. And during the interval, I decided that I was going to do stand-up comedy. So I was must have been about 15 or 16 at this time. Now, obviously, it wasn't, I didn't know about having your own material, but I took jokes from around, you know, just off the TV. Yeah. Um, with no critical engagement, just what made me laugh, of course. And I'll always remember this, and it stuck with me. I remember, so I'd come out in the interval in between the play and be a stand-up comedian and tell jokes. And I, I, I was cracking on with my stuff, and um, don't forget, this is 1970, maybe, and a woman shouted out, that's sexist. And I remember being totally stunned and thinking, what does she mean? What is sexist? I've got no idea what she meant. And that was the start of a of a of an education. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, in fact, do stand up comedy in a small way then, and I always used to tell jokes to people. Um, but then fast forward to nineteen, uh, so quite a gap between nineteen seventy and nineteen ninety five, of course. Uh, so I did the workshop. We did a we did a show at the Tom Allen Centre. Yeah. Uh, in Stratford, which is more or less opposite the Theatre Royal Stratford, actually. Yeah, yeah community centre and we did the show there it wasn't open to the public as such it was uh, friends and family and uh, I just got the bug just got the bug it and I is thought, isn't oh, it boy, yeah. and I remember Tony Allen said to me well he said you brought the house down man and I remember being so so ahead of my game at least I remember halfway through going wow this is easier than I thought it was going to yeah, be yeah. and of course that, that cheerfulness that commenting on how you feel is very much part of stand-up comedy anyway very much so yeah yeah being in the room yeah 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 it's of it's of its moment isn't it it's when 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 you go i i i love so much to look to go and to look forward see what's on a bill and i and i i like to take a lot of friends with me and and sit and see what they think and then when the lights go down you, uh, you you just write, make me laugh, entertain wow. me, and it's just the best feeling in the world in the audience. Wow, that's great must to be like hear that about it from the other side, you know, because I don't think about it in in that way. Yeah, I don't yeah. How I don't think about the audience and if they're getting excited or not. All I'm, we're just busy thinking about our staff, our performance. Yeah. What sort of relationship we're going to build during that performance? Yeah, yeah. That's great to hear that. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. No, no. All, all, all the way. I mean, that, that. For me, I'm obviously passionate about the subject, but mm-hmm. because it's such a positive thing, what's not to love? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like you go there and, and I laugh. I know I've been blessed with this laugh. I should get the laugh insured, but... Um, well, uh, they... yeah, your laugh is distinct, actually. <laughs> Isn't it? It's distinct. I think most comedians could probably tell you a lot. They could probably... Now, I've never experienced this, but I bet you could be on a bill... And when you go off back to the dressing room and the other person's part, you go, I think Richard Gill's in tonight. <laughs> sure I heard well, that's like. very kind. They, they, it, the, the story you of the... Up, you uh, pop up in, in different clubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I think I first saw you at... Now, I could be wrong. Could I have possibly first seen you at the old Har Bloody Har gig in Hanwell? Yes. That a venue that Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, I a, think I might have seen you there first of all. A very dear friend of mine lives in Hanwell, and we <laughs> went to the... I can't remember the name of the pub. It's not there anymore, but it's part of a chain. They, uh, what was it called? Um, well, that's got to be... But it was certainly a pub in Hanwell, and you were on the bill, and Joe Caulfield was on the bill. Okay. 
and mm. I, I can remember you headlined that and the wonderful thing about your act that I love is um, how you get how you bring everybody together they just love the fact that you well, walk on and you appear extremely confident when you walk on because of the type of well, act I must tell you this Richard and I don't want to sound pretentious or, or but I for me how I like the gig to be is that I love them so much I don't want to get off no. and they love me and they don't want me to get off yeah if that if when I reach that Zen moment I think yeah that I've achieved what I like to achieve and and that and that's all there is to it and, and that's wonderful um uh when you b before you go on stage do you get nervous at all I'm, I mentioned about all this no, not now when no. I first started yeah. terribly nervous yeah um, terribly nervous for a long while and it was a very awkward position for me Richard because it wasn't as if I was someone in my 20s learning to do something yeah yeah, yeah possibly being nervous an insecure would have been understandable. I was a man in my 40s, so it was a very awkward situation to be nervous and new about something yeah. around lots of young people. Yeah. Whereas in the outside world, I wasn't nervous about anything. So, it, but I used to get nervous, but I think, certainly for me, what happens is once you're confident about your act, once you know that it works, then you lose the nerve because yeah, you're pulling yeah. up with confidence. It's no, all it's not a bad experience. It's all about doing as much as you can, isn't it, and gaining experience well, and and if and but even but if now it, I think um, yeah. my, I I'm confident as a person in life. Yeah. Um, and I I think my gig starts as soon as I at home when I start ironing my shirt. Yeah. Think, <laughs> the whole ritual starts then. So yeah. I hit the stage running, Richard. Really. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. It's already, brilliant. I'm already being a comedian as soon as I start getting dressed. Yeah. When I'm on the train or in the car, by the time I get to the dressing room, I'm there. And I think my a lot of my act is, is about swaggering and being confident. Yeah, and yeah. Not in a false way. That's how I am. So I, I really I relish and enjoy that that type of. That's brilliant, and it's and it's interesting you say about the acting and the confidence as well, because other than my blog, the most creative thing I've ever done, I wrote a I wrote and appeared in a play. Uh, which I wanted and I still might take up to the Edinburgh Fringe but we put it on, myself and my friend were in it and uh, our other friend directed it and uh, we put it on for comic relief and we got over £2,000 for three shows wow. and, which was incredible but the, well, they, they, the plays got called The Applicant and it was basically, it's basically about me coming to London from Carlisle and I've got a successful girlfriend in London and I've never been interviewed for a job and it's my journey trying to get it, trying to find a job. And every job I, I go for, I get more and more confident. And at the end of it, when I get given my ideal job, there's lots of plot, but the interviewer kills me. <laughs> so, they, so, so the last... Uh, scene is me at the at the gates of heaven or hell with God being in interviewed by God and God saying uh, um, we've looked at you on we've been watching you on planet earth or uh, uh, and we think you'd be ideal interviewing corpses between heaven and hell and I shrug my shoulders and that's it now they 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 the thank you they the it doesn't surprise me because you've got a certain sort of butch Alan Bennettness about you <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. <laughs> um, the uh, um, so the play is basically uh, waiting room and uh, interview. So I run out and I'm really nervous, and the audience are there, and there's nobody else, and I start talking to them. So I wrote all these monologues to try and um, get the story going, and of course the first night, having written it and rehearsed it. I ran out and I forgot the monologue and I just, I was like a rabbit in headlights. I just oh, went no. to pieces. And my question is, do you approach acting differently to stand-up comedy, to, to, to writing? Ah, um, well, uh, you know, I mean, I've done a lot more stand-up comedy than I have acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, with acting, you're playing a part that may not be you. Sure, yeah. And it may be a part that doesn't isn't a confident character in itself. Yeah. 
I yeah, I, well, the problem <laughs> I probably do because usually when I get any acting part, it's more or less playing someone who's pretty much like me. You know, sort of a Cockney geezer. And you know, when I was in Call the Midwife, I played a, a yeah, yeah, called, yeah, um, yeah, Takey Crumb, the Cockney storeholder. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, <laughs> the, difference, the difference is though, in terms of confidence, is when you when you're not actually a full time actor and you just act now and again yeah. in some your part because often someone will see you on stage and they go, oh, you'll be right for Katie Crumb. That's how I got that part. It's a very small, tiny part, but but you're working with people that are professional actors. They've been acting as much as you've been yeah. doing comedy. And you so learn a lot different. how to project yeah. yourself. And they're really, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. And yeah. sometimes you think, wow, um, I don't know if I should be here. Um, yeah. but, but it's an amazing experience. You see their skills and everything that they can do. And so I probably, uh, yeah, I probably enter into everything with, with a degree of confidence from being a stand-up comedian. I think it helps with your acting. You're used it's to brilliant. Yeah, used yeah, to it's so good. People, nothing phases you. The cameras, nothing when you're used to standing in front of hundreds of people. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. When uh, when you mentioned Alan Bennett, uh, we used to go to a lot of recordings of the Now Show and the News Quiz at the BBC Radio Theatre and the guest one particular week was John Coulshaw, the impersonator mm -hmm. and uh, I, I don't know whether you've ever been to the Now Show but they have a section right at the end of it where they read out, they, they, they give the audience a daft subject and they read out the funniest answers and ours was what's the most stupidest thing that's happened to you at school and genuinely when I was at school I was sitting in the sixth form one day and I fell asleep and some but some oh git tipexed my glasses and when I woke up I thought I'd died. That genuinely ah, happened. Ah, I was like oh. Yeah. So John Culshaw read this out at the end as Alan Bennett. <laughs> oh, That's and amazing, it, it was genius. It? <laughs> hey Tipex, you better explain what that is to the kids, it's, man. Well, they, 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 <laughs> it's to correct yeah. uh, uh, is, make, yeah. make corrections with a pen. There must be people that but don't know what that sticks. is now, mustn't they? <laughs> my, my glasses were absolutely ruined. Um, uh, amongst uh, other award nominations, you have won the Best Live Comedian in 2016, Best Live Club Comedian at the UK Comedy Awards, and was runner-up in 2015, 2014 and yeah. 2013. Well done and congratulations. Well deserved. Well, yeah. What was the experience like, and what's your view of competitions? Well, I don't really like competitions in any way. Certainly not with culture. Right. However, and and being runner up was was you know always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think with that one, what's good about that award is it's other comedians vote for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was. Actually, it was quite a surprise because I'd never considered how other comedians saw my work. Because I was older than them, uh, and I don't socialise that much. Not because I don't like comedians, but I've always been a bit older, so I never hung around with comedians. So I don't always know what they're thinking. And I was actually quite shocked that they'd all got together and thought, wow, Jeff's doing some good work. So I was really chuffed, really happy with that. That's and brilliant. telling people for ages and in fact I can't believe it was that long ago I'm still telling people ah uh, yeah, yeah 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 it's so great I was very pleased about that but also what I thought was good about it was that I had turned a corner just before then as well sure and started approaching my comedy differently and was taking it more seriously and thinking about it more and had and developed greater sort of ambitions intellectual ambitions about what I could do with my comedy. So it was a great thing and I'm very thankful and it, it spurred me on actually to take myself more seriously and to look at the future and think, right, this is great, you know, because when you've been going for a few years, yeah, it's, and as a lot of some of the people that have been, they, you can give up, you know, there's lots of comedians that have been around as long as me, they've, they've earned a lot of money maybe, which I haven't, they, or their wife's had a good job, they've paid off their mortgage, so they can take their foot off the gas or they've lost interest. Yeah. But I, I think I, um, 
I had a new interest, a new lease of life. I've gone through some phases in comedy. And around that time, just before then, I remember I'd been really thinking about what I do, having an agenda, having a having an artistic and intellectual agenda. Sure, yeah. But that that reflected that that had been appreciated. So I was really, really happy about that. So actually. so would you say at that point, um, I've asked a lot of comedian, comedians this, was there a point in your career where you thought, yes, this is what I can do well, this is, I'm going to make a career of this, I'm going to give this a go? Well, I think almost, I think almost immediately I thought that. Yeah. But often, you see, during that, but I still don't think, I think looking back, I wasn't as, as good as I could have been. I right. could still earn a living. I could still be good enough. But I think during that period, a lot of us worked at Jean-Luc's comedy clubs. And I'm not, I don't want to criticize Jean-Luc's comedy clubs, but there was a culture during those days of, of it being very clubby. Audiences were drunk, you know, they yeah. had a club 1830 culture about the audiences. So it was very easy to not, to just be, to concentrate on confidence on performance and not think necessarily about what you were talking about or having a, an agenda as such sure. other than being a great performer. So I think I was possibly a good performer but hadn't really developed the intellect side of my comedy during those years. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, I thought I could do it. But I mean, even now, actually, Richard, I still don't think I'm doing it as well as I'd like to, or in the way that I'd like to. I'm still working towards getting it, you know. And every now and again, I mean, I, I, mean, I had a I had a viral video during lockdown. Uh, that, that So even though I wasn't seeing audiences, they were seeing me. And it was on uh, it was on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and it was going on to WhatsApp group. And I was, uh, even now, at the weekend I went to the train station to buy a ticket with a mask on. I said, can I have a ticket? He went, you're the guy, you're the yeah. guy. Yeah. So it keeps, that keeps happening. And that's the first time in all these years where that performance, I thought, yeah, I'm just about doing it how I really want to do it in that clip. So, well, what I, what I wanted to say to you is that uh, you are genuinely one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen in the 45 years that I've been watching it. Well, well, and whenever, and whenever, whenever your name is on a bill, I know I'm going to have a great time and you never fail. Well, I'm still not as funny as I want to be. So watch this. I'm, I'm keeping coming to see you then. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm under construction. <laughs> I'm working progress at all times, me. <laughs> well, it's wonderful. And that's not false modesty, believe me. <laughs> um, Let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, I am very fortunate to um, uh, go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year for my, it's my holiday. Wow. Uh, I go for a week and so I did see- Did you win the pause or something years ago so that you could just leave this life <laughs> no. of religion? <laughs> no, I just thought stuff That's is, I want, I want to live my life and, and, and I go and I have a great time. I go to Carlisle in the summer, so it's only an hour away from me. So, oh, I, so I do days. Car Carlisle's my home city, <laughs> so so I either do days there or I or I stay over in in cheap accommodation okay. or whatever. Um, but I see about fifty shows in a week, and I and I need wow. a holiday by the time I come back. What was <laughs> <laughs> what was your um, first Edinburgh fringe like? When was it? Um, Can you describe well, it? Well, I went. I think I went about the. I can't remember exactly when it was. Around two thousand, I think. Right. Can I just say I've only been twice to do a solo show in Edinburgh. Right. I mean, I go to Edinburgh. I love the town, the city, and I go there to perform in clubs. Yeah. But I've never really been somebody that's embraced going to Edinburgh to do the Fringe as a performer. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons for that. One reason is that it's it's an art fair, but it's also a trade fair. It's an art festival, but also a trade fair. Sure. So um, because I came into this older, I've never really thought I'm someone that agents are going to be looking for. You know, uh, it's very expensive to do as well. Yeah. And I think because I'm older, I don't really want to stay away for 28 days with a lot of getting drunk and having fun. I'd rather <laughs> be at home. And also, I think I've always had another agenda that I think there's be I think there's um, one of the things about Edinburgh is it developed it's developed a kind of elitism. 
where people think that to do so-called non-club comedy. I think we've had this this, uh, this 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 false polarization where there's Edinburgh shows and club comedy. And I think when you think about how long stand-up comedy has been going, the Edinburgh Fringe has been going for a, a very small part of that. Yeah. The whole idea that stand-up comedy is a long-form, hour, theatre-type, uh, intelligent, uh, intellectually stimulating form of comedy, whereas club comedy isn't. It's something I've always, always thought about. And I always thought that maybe what I can do is to do more interesting comedy, but in a club environment. Yeah, sure, yeah. So I've always, I've always worked hard to make my club shows as intelligent and challenging or, 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 or as rewarding as going to Edinburgh. So that's, that's, that's brilliant. Been an agenda that I've been always trying to do. That's fantastic. Um, so does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, very much um, so. I mean, um, the first year I went, um, I got it out of my system that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian because I could make people, I believed I could make people laugh in uh, pubs and whatnot. And um, I knew a promoter there and he said, well, come on, uh, we'll put you on a Monday afternoon in the Haymarket, uh, an old folks gong show, which couldn't be any worse. And uh, I walked out, I wrote this script and I walked out. I've told a lot of comedians this. And the first thing I said to them was, um, uh, um, people used to think I looked like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And of course, I'm his double. I've met him and he couldn't believe me. Oh, uh, and, I never thought of that, but now you say it. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. some old bloke <laughs> at the back of the room just went, fuck off and gung me off <laughs> oh, no. after about 30 seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> so that... So the promoter said, have another go, have another go. So I did the same thing and I lasted a bit longer. And I went off and I said, never say never again, but uh, my place is in the audience supporting all the brave people that can do it. And and it seems to have worked. So so um, that was my experience of doing it. Um, but, but the difference there, I think, is when you walk out, or, or, or when it, a lot of the professional comedians walk out, they know they as you said before you don't seem to not care about the audience but you want to make the show as mm -hmm. encompassing and try to get everybody involved without yeah. targeting them or whatever you know you yeah. you you have such universal stories that people can relate to that yeah. they they just find you so warm and endearing in your presentation yeah. and it works a treat there's another thing yeah it does and it's great it's great i mean one good thing about it and we could maybe talk about this in a while is that i do like to spend an hour on stage yeah you can when you can and it's great for that of course but let me tell you a story that sums up because i think you can go to where I, I certainly did the first time you know being very feeling very worthy and i'd go up with this very worthy show and i remember and and it was okay it was a bit of a three three to four star show possibly um, on, on a good night. Yeah. But, uh, once I finished the show, and as I was, when I went outside, a group of people that were inside the show were talking to each other, and the woman said to her friend, "Well, you know, I've seen him before at Jongas, and he was really funny then." <laughs> so it's tried to. I thought, yeah, you know, you come up here with these high polluting ideas, but you've still got to be as funny as you would be in a club and it's trying to get those yeah yeah, yeah. that would be my agenda really in the clubs and also often with edinburgh you can go up with worthy shows but you're preaching to converted mm. it's a much tougher yeah yeah thing yeah. to do something interesting in a club setting yeah. i know so, i know what you said before about jonglers um uh and, and 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 the club atmosphere i used to go to the comedy store and jonglers all the time i used to go to the camden town one Right. And and the resident compare that on who did most of them was Tim Clark, and right. I'm sure I must have seen you there as well. Yes, Be yes, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I spoke to Tim the other day actually. He's yeah, still yeah. going and he's still full of ambition and yeah. He was saying writing lots of new material. He's older than me, Tim actually. Wow, wow. Uh, we we compare notes on. Uh, well, <laughs> there's nobody comedians to do this. We talk about where we're working, so uh, maybe. Uh, 
Manchester or somewhere, and we compare notes on how cheap it was for us to get there with our senior citizens' roll card. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So you know, I went to High Wycombe the other day yeah, uh, yeah. from Ballum. Um, guess how much ago? No, he won't. Nothing. <laughs> I, I, I was very honoured um, early on in these interviews. Um, I managed to interview Barry Cryer, and he, wow. and he was 86. And wow. that man is extraordinary with his yeah. stories sure. about he's working with everybody, yeah. and it, that was an absolute joy. So yeah, he's um, a proper legend, actually. Oh, and and yeah. so, so my uh, answer to that, I suppose, is is age is just a number. I'm I'm turning mm. fifty four in August, right. and I feel as I'm twenty five. I'm having yeah, the time of my that. life I'm just like to do that. it all. Yeah. I certainly think if you're a performer or certainly a stand up comedy. It's about your relevance of what you're talking about, right. not what you, how old you are. Right, there right. Are a lot of younger comedians that may be irrelevant, you know, and yeah, a lot yeah. of older ones that yeah. are relevant. So. Yeah. Um, you've performed stand-up comedy in Vietnam, China and India, of all places. Oh, um, but all over the world, it's amazing. I was going to say, how, how, do audience, how do audiences compare... Um, to the UK, do you get okay. different types well, of audiences? Well, in a way, when 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 one's agent or promoter tells the world about all these countries you've been to, in a way, it's a slight con because most of the time you're performing to British or expats, right. British, Australian, American, Canadian, Irish uh, people that are living in these countries. But there's always a percentage of uh, uh, indigenous people there as well. So rarely. At the in these countries am I performing to a Vietnamese audience? Sure, example. yeah, yeah. Um, so the so the audience response is largely made up of the expat response. But it is fun, you know, to interact <laughs> with to see how someone who's from Vietnam reacts to a cockney geezer, you know, <laughs> on stage. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think um I think actually where you're really performing to foreign audiences is in Europe, uh, rather, because in Europe, there's no expats, they're just European, so they can speak English. Right. So they come to a to an English comedy night, whereas in uh, in Vietnam or, or, uh, or most of those places, they're British. However, I did, um, you know, Kuala Lumpur was a local audience. <laughs> yeah, doing comedy in Kuala Lumpur, who would have thought? Who would That's have thought? amazing. <laughs> Bernard Manning would never have done that. <laughs> in, actually, when I went to uh, Indonesia and uh, they picked me up from the station, uh, a local driver, and you know, when you go to countries that are third world countries, it's a very, yeah. very, uh, it's a very uh, chastening experience. It's not that you're going there to be a millionaire; you're only really earning a living. But you see, you see the world, you see a side of the world, and. Actually, I, was, I think I'd only been there five minutes. The car knocked somebody off their moped. No. Uh, it, they weren't terribly injured, but suddenly we were surrounded by a crowd of people demanding money because they'd knocked a child off of a moped. Wow. And I thought, oh, you know, five minutes, five. man. But, yeah. Um, so I, more than their response, I'd have, I've got to comment on the fact that what stand-up comedy has afforded me is to visit so many countries and I don't know if that circuit is still there, Richard, that right. circuit. I don't think it's there quite the same. There's some there's some stuff going on in Dubai. Yeah. But I haven't, you know, within 10 years, I've been to the Philippines, China, Indonesia, Vietnam. It just goes on and on and on. I've got about three passports. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a, fr a friend of mine, friend of mine who I used to work with, I work, I'm on reception at a big secondary school, and he used to be a teacher there. He did a similar thing to you. He took a comedy course, won it, and he's now in Dubai teaching and running mm. a comedy club, Yalla Laps, and he's having the time of his life. He said a lot of the English comedians come over as special guests, and yeah. this is probably, I would guess, what you did as well. Well, well, yeah. Well, a special guest to perform or to to teach or to perform to as, teach, as, as on, on, on the comedy nights. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, well, in Dubai, for example, there's uh, there's a comedy company called Laughter Factory, and they yeah. have about they have a tour 
which right. is Abu Dhabi and and uh, and Dubai. Right, and right. So it goes Dubai. all around. Yeah, we do yeah. about eight, eight, six to eight to ten gigs uh, in a two-week run. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you get to travel to to lots of places. So an amazing thing. I, I can't say what country's been the best. No. But uh, I mean, I did enjoy China because it was so different. I'd and love obviously, to go. India yeah. was incredible as yeah. well. India, actually, no, India was a local audience. Now, wow. this is fascinating. The comedy store opened up in Mumbai, okay? And it was there for a while. It's still there now, I think, I'm not sure. But uh, initially, they the bills were British comedians with one or two local comedians. And they were local people. However, Indian people are, you know, they have the same uh, colonial history, the same as us. So they speak English. Yeah. It wasn't that much of a, of a shift. And of course, we know Indian people. We live in London. You know Indian people. Um, so so there's a familiarity coming both ways there. Yeah, yeah. But that was what the comedy store did was you did one weekend and then they let you stay in the hotel for a week and do a second weekend. Oh, Richard, it was fantastic. I bet that was incredible. So much. Some, some of the comedians were popping down to Goa to have a little camping holiday yeah. in that week. Yeah. It was fantastic. I bet that was Happiness amazing. Such a fantastic thing. Wow. And, uh, and um, I think most of that is finished now, unless you're a big star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a shame. It really is. Um, let's move back to the UK. Um, I've, I've seen you perform many times over the years, brilliantly, most notably, uh, always, always Be Comedy, headlining in 2017. I saw it was the it was the beer cat comedy club. That's what I was trying oh, to remember yeah, in Hanwell yeah, yeah. Uh, in twenty eighteen, and most notably uh, headliners. I see you there many times. That's one of my favourite. Chiswick, you're yeah. famous for headlining that. Um, with your routines and shows, can you describe if you've got a writing process or where you get your ideas from for shows? Or okay, well, if that's changed. That process has changed. As I learn how to do it, right. I think I think we always think it's about sitting at the desk, writing big routines, and then taking them out and trying them. I think the way I work is that I might sit at the desk to kickstart an idea, and then the idea I walk around with the idea away from the desk. Right. So the the the, the initial premise might be at the desk on a piece of paper. On although I've stopped using the laptop. Because when you write on a laptop, you write reams and reams, and it becomes like a sort of guardian comment thing. <laughs> so I've learned after all these years that for me, the best way to write is pen and paper, yeah. because then you can keep it clipped and to the point, which is what we end up doing with the big piece anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I start in that way, then I walk around with it, and then I take it on stage. So it's a three-way process. The desk, the walking around with it, and then seeing what happens once I take it on stage. And then maybe back to the desk and around and around. But it's, it's difficult. I'm not very good at talking about my own creative process. Right. I'm not quite sure what it is. And I quite like to leave it like that. That's Some exactly, yeah, exactly. Give it away secrets, but I'm quite happy. <laughs> I'm not quite sure that there's something indefinable about it. Because yeah. That keeps a magic for me. That's fantastic. It's, and, yeah, and, yeah. and I think as well, it creates a uniqueness as well, so people can remember who you are because oh. you're unique. But, but what I will say is that, and it's taken me quite a few years to learn lots of things about how it works, is that when you're new, you think it's going to be about routines. And of course, your routine have to be good. Yeah, That's the bottom line, Richard. It's about the relationship you have with the audience with those routines. And it's difficult to explain that. It's quite difficult to teach that because it seems quite abstract and you act. But it's how you are with that routine, not just the routine. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing you can't write. That's the thing you learn and feel and know through experience. It's um, so because the same routine performed by somebody else may not be funny. It's, yeah, it's yeah. the relationship you have with... And it's not it's also not just the routine. It's what happens around the routine, the texture, the asides... The, the ad libs on on the material, so it's very difficult to you have to find that yourself. But certainly the routines are the sca the scaffold, the foundation. That's fascinating. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What a great answer. I'm not giving away secrets. I don't want anyone copying this. <laughs> 
That is fascinating. Really great. Thank you. Um, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Did you did well, you have comedy growing up? Well, um, I think growing up, you know, when you consider that I'm 65, so wow. growing up, there was lots of stand-up comedy around on TV, on the radio. I've always considered stand-up comedy to be very much part of British culture. Very That's so. why it exists in expat communities. Yeah. Wherever there's a load of British people, there'll be a comedy club somewhere in the world. And so there's always stand-up comedy, but I would have to say, as far as British comedians, before my time, and someone who I've studied, if you like, is Max Miller. Oh, brilliant. Max Miller is someone who stands out for me. Yeah. Well, again, that relationship he has with the audience, particularly that, that iconic piece where I'm not sure what what theatre is, where he comes to the comes to the edge of the stage, talking conspiratorially with the audience about the managers at the side. You know that piece. I don't know if you know. He's him. looking around. He's brilliant. In. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come he here, come here. And he's, yeah, and he, he leans in, in, doesn't he? He's brilliant. He's so fantastic. Yeah. He's so and, I, and I love the blue book and the red book. Oh, that that, <laughs> is just that the whole. And again, it's about that relationship he's got with the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I saw I saw a play about him at the Edinburgh Fringe, and it was just wonderful. Oh, wow, it was wow. so so good because he had an extraordinary. Life. I would say, yeah. Uh, of the modern era, or certainly you know, the uh, modern compared to Max Miller, being elected south for sure. Oh, mate. That late seventies, early eighties, yeah. I particularly admire. And then, of course, he's had a renaissance. Yeah. Hasn't he? He's come yeah, back. Yeah. He yeah. wrote novels, and he came back, and he's just he's as fantastic. Good as yeah, yeah. I yeah. love his. My, here's a joke that I think really sums up everything about Alexis South, <laughs> the politics. The working class and this and it's this he's got this joke and i may be getting this wrong but it's certainly he's got a joke about it. something like, like this yeah my dad was a communist and a big liverpool fan above our mantelpiece we had a picture of lenin scoring the winning goal for liverpool in the 1962 world cup final it was or a, a european final it was the best retouching job the kgb had ever done <laughs> <laughs> Intelligent, political references. Oh, he was brilliant. And that for me. So Alexis Sal is somebody who possibly Good I don't know, call, yeah. level, has, has influenced me. But, That's brilliant. But I all really though, I would say the American comedians always think of far ahead. You right. think about Lenny Bruce, yeah. he's years ahead. He's like John Coltrane. Yeah. You know what he was doing in in the fifties. Yeah. Too advanced now. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the American, uh, uh, the way they speak English suits themselves to stand-up comedy, the turn of phrase, the language. Totally agree, yeah. Uh, Lenny Bruce, and most of the Americans, you know, Richard Pryor, of course. Yeah. Uh, and the, of the modern era, quite like Bill Burr, he had quite a, an interesting attitude. But certainly I would say, if I had to choose one, I'd probably go for Alexis Sal. What a choice, that's for My, my um, first ever gig was on a family holiday in Scarborough. I was seven and we went to see Les Dawson and he was just incredible. He's in my top five. And then and then a year later we went to see Tommy Cooper and he was just extraordinary. There have been so many great yeah, comedians. Yeah, there? yeah. That was yeah, that was the seventies. But I've, I mean, I've seen absolutely everybody. I went through the alternative boom, like you say. A highlight was uh, we went to see Rick Mail in Carlisle. And, wow. his, and his trousers exploded as he jumped ah, on stage. Ah, ah. He then threw somebody out because he wasn't ah, laughing. Ah, that was brilliant. And but I love the American comedians like yourself. We were we were very very fortunate to see Bill Hicks in Manchester, wow. and he was extraordinary, just ranting away, but yeah, yeah. so clever and so intelligent Definitely. and so on the ball Definitely. with it all. You know, I, I think I I'm particularly attracted to East Coast. New York Jewish influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that Jewish influence is an influence on all stand-up comedy. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very, very, yeah, yeah. very much so. I mean, um, we are we are blessed that there are so many on the circuit and so many yet to oh. see. You know, it it is oh. extraordinary. Um, as I, as I said, I think I think I said earlier, I've I've got a thousand plus comedians now, which is wow. amazing. Um, Following on from that, like me, um, 
do you ever go to watch comedy as a member of the audience? Have you ever done this? Um, well, before I started doing comedy, I think I'd only ever been to one comedy club. Wow. In, and that was around 86. And in Forest Gate, above a pub called the Princess Alice. So that was obviously one of the many alternative comedy clubs that started springing up around that time. Yeah. And it was... Um, uh, uh, Jim Tavray was on, I remember. Oh, he's easy to remember, isn't he? He's yeah. a great joke writer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can't actually remember who else was on, yeah. but I hadn't been to see stand-up comedy. And I think it's, uh, like I said, you know, but I'd seen stand-up comedy on yeah. TV all the time. So I knew how it worked. You know, I knew the, the cadence, the rhythm. Yeah. Um, is your, since is your... doing it, I've been to see Jackie Mason. Oh, yeah. He's you know, fantastic. I can see one or two American acts. Yeah. Um, but I don't watch a lot of stand-up comedy, no. funnily enough. I don't know. I think musicians are like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really... That's I don't know why yeah. that is. Um, but I, obviously there are one or two people that I work with that I enjoy. Yeah. If, I hang around to watch. Or if you're, I was going to say, if you're on a bill, do you hang around and watch the other comedians There are one on or two bill? people... I mean, unfortunately, when you've been going for years, and I don't mean this in a cynical way, often with some acts, you, can, you know what they're doing immediately. Say, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. So the audience love you, but I know where you're going, so there's no, you know. But now and again, somebody very unique, I don't know, let's think of somebody, of, of one of my contemporaries would be somebody like Bobby Mayer. I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. He's somebody that I watch yeah. all the time, because what he does is so different and unique. And also, it's so different from what I do. I enjoy watching people that do uh, Russell Hicks, for example, yeah, superb. Uh, an improvisational comic. Yeah. I enjoy watching him because I think, how does he do that? I can't, I don't work <laughs> like that. So I enjoy watching people that do it in a very different way. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I ask the question is um, there's a section in my blog called The Ones That Got Away, and I've written about 25, I think, comedians that I would mm -hmm. love to have seen, and I, I've been unable to. And Top of the Tree for me, obviously, were Morecambe and Wise. They're the reason why I do it. But there's people like Dave Allen in there, um, uh, Norman Wisdom, Frankie Howard. Um, uh, I've never seen... Um, uh, there is a comedian whose name I mislaid, which is very well, bad. Well, the old days, from the old days. From the old or? days, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there was a great comedian who used to make me laugh a lot, and he used to go on and say, his, his, his catchphrase was, I won't take my coat off, I'm not stopping, and then oh, take his good. coat off and do his act. <laughs> but he was from, from, from way back. Yeah. But, but, but there is this uniqueness throughout the decades I'm learning that a reason why um, comedians are so popular and 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 um, that a lot of them are very endearing. So so Thank it's you. it's just wonderful to research and watch and analyze and and, and, and sure. Um, sure. Let's move on to the future of comedy. Um, what do you think the future is? Have you been? Uh, have you done? Any online gigs? What do you think of online gigs as opposed to live comedy? Well, I, I don't think the future of stand-up comedy is online gigs. No. I, 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 think, I mean, I think there's lots of future in stand-up comedy. There are lots of new people coming into it. Yeah. Uh, I think the future of stand-up comedy in terms of acts is probably going to be the wealth of people that come from a range of ethnicities, and, and gender differences. I think that's where the future is. I'm particularly interested in British acts who have a different uh, immigrant ethnicity sure. who are bringing their experience using stand-up comedy in the same way that hip-hop is in France or Africa. It's a medium by which people who are on the margins of mainstream society can have their say and can reflect their experience. So they're the people I look at and think, yeah, these people are saying something. So that's why I think the actual future of comedy is. But in terms of what medium, it will always be live for oh, me. It's got to I don't be, even yeah. really like watching it on TV. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Zoom, I think there's a, a role for Zoom, maybe, yeah, yeah. that would be the private party, for example, mm -hmm. or the private work do. But it doesn't reflect stand-up comedy properly. Stand-up comedy, for me, is a live medium for sure that's where you experience it at its best so 
I'm, I'm going to risk saying that Zoom was an anomaly, a blip, and it will be around for some reasons, but certainly it's not the future of stand-up. I, to I totally agree. I mean, I mean, when we were in lockdown, I did go to a lot of online comedy, and it and it helped me enormously get through it. But um, when they when they first started, um, there was no audio at all for the audience, so you couldn't hear an audience laugh. So I was sitting here looking at four walls. Yeah. I thought I was going to be taken away with my laugh because yeah, you couldn't yeah. hear. But <laughs> then they opened it up and and. Some of the comedians did very good with timing and they could chat to the audience. But I'm 100% with you. Um, you cannot beat the live experience because no. I, think, I think, as we said earlier on, it's of its moment and you never know what's going to happen and that's the magic of it. You mm -hmm. know? And, and, and looking forward to it, like you say, when you're ironing your shirts with me, it's looking on bills and, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a great time here. The venue, you, uh, I like to go for a few drinks beforehand and then go in and make a night oh, of it. It's just wonderful, it, it? the whole experience. From a performance point of view, I found it very em a very empty feeling. Yeah. Not edifying in any way whatsoever. And actually, very easy. I think, I, I wonder if, some comedians think they're better than they are if they've grown up on Zoom. No. You know, because I think it's quite easy to get some laughs and entertain people that are sitting on their lounge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, live, there's so much more involved. Exactly, in exactly. And yeah. it's and and you're going for the you're going for the positive experience as well, mm. which yes. and the shared experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very much so. Um, yeah. I could talk to you all night, my friend. I really could. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting you. I know, this has been great. Uh, it, it's been the best podcast interview I've been on. You know that? Well, that's it, very, very kind of you. That's so good. You know you. what you're doing. You know comedy. I feel safe in your hands. You ask some pertinent, relevant questions. So I've enjoyed my, my time with you. Thank very you much. so much, my friend. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, it's so funny because there's a young comedian who, who's doing my Instagram for me and he keeps uh, saying, you must remember to plug these things. So <laughs> I've got it uh, and I forget because I'm old school, you know. <laughs> so I was doing it on stage last week at the end of the gig. I said, look, I must do this otherwise this guy didn't tell me off. <laughs> And every night you're saying, yeah, we've got 10 people tonight. We've got... And in the end, it became more about the Instagram. I said, I'm not interested in the comedy. <laughs> you can have the Instagram followers now. That's what's important to me. So I've got an Instagram. It's either called Jeff Innocent or something. You know, so if you find Instagram and Jeff Innocent, yes. that will be the one. <laughs> so please, uh, please join that or follow that or whatever. I've got a Twitter account called yeah. Jeff or Jeff Innocent. Um, have, and... you got, have you got a website? Um, I've got an, a, a website. People don't really go on websites so much now, but there will be a new website. It's under construction. Sure. It will be or thereabouts. And uh, uh, also and doing uh, workshops yeah. up to three at the end of the year. I'll be teaching stand-up comedy running six-week workshops. There's another thing that I really enjoy. Yeah, doing. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, why not teach it? Yeah, that's people, a great idea. People, intermediaries, or even people that have been doing it for a few years. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm up to, and I'm in the process of I'm thinking I want to do an hour show, not to go to Edinburgh, but there are so many festivals now, Richard, as you know. So I'm in the process of thinking about, I, I love being a circuit comedian, but I like to stand stage for longer than 20 minutes, so in order to do that, I need to write a new show. Well, so I'm, try, I'm trying to do as many different festivals as I can because <laughs> this year, because... Um, uh, uh, I'm I'm not going to go up to Edinburgh this year, but I've been to Brighton. I'm going to Hastings this weekend. Uh, uh, there's Camden, which I've never done before, so I might do that mm. in August. And it's the experience, as you say, yeah. of going round to them all. It's wonderful. And that's what I want to do. And of course, yeah, that's not going to you know, unlike Edinburgh, which costs you anything from four to ten grand. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. Can do, you know, yeah, or yeah. lose money. Yeah. Those festivals are a one-off experience for me. I can go to Brighton, do one night, yeah, 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 and go back to the circuit. So yeah. I'm looking for that mix and blend now for the future. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be about. Have you got any gigs coming up, my friend? 
Well, I don't know when this is going to be aired, this. Hey, so funny, hey, hey, well, I'm, yeah, I suppose so. But, but you're gigging you all the time, I'm aren't you? But you know me, Richard, I'm always everywhere. Well, everywhere. You know, particularly in London, the Comedy yeah, Store, yeah. Up the Creek, Headliners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brighton Comedia. Yeah. Um, I'm, everywhere that there's comedy, you'll find me because I love doing it so much. Well, I, for one, love watching you, and I, I genuinely, I think you're one of the funniest people I've ever met. That's a lovely thing to say, and, and, uh, and I'd use you as a quote on my next... When I get my website, I'm going to use that quote. Please do, okay? please do. This guy knows what he's talking about more than lots of reviewers. You you're, know? you're very, very kind, and... Thank um, you, Thank uh, you. If you want to leave me a testimonial, please do on my blog. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and get you on my... Oh, yeah. I'm doing a podcast as well, sorry. Yeah, I'm please talk about it. I've got a podcast that I've just started working on. Yeah. I don't know when they're coming out. We've only just started interviewing people and we want to put a few out at the same time. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but we've decided to do it in a studio right. rather than on Zoom. Right. So it's a little bit harder to pin people down to come into a studio, it's a lot easier to say to people, can you be in your house at this time? But we're getting around that, and I think studios will be coming back. It's, it's, it's called Smart Casual, and that's the name of the podcast, with Jeff Anderson. So, well, I, I would be delighted to be a guest on yours. I'd love to have you on, And, and I'm around at the end of July and all August, if you're up for that. That's fantastic. <laughs> we can talk about your comedy life. Yeah, 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 very much. So. I think it's been you deserve that. You know that, Richard? I think you deserve that, my friend. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being truly a wonderful guest. Yeah, bless you, man. And you're a very, very funny really man. I enjoyed it. And I'm, look I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to seeing you again live soon, mate. Thank you, Richard. All the See best you to you. See you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks bye -bye. now.